I hope you're having a good morning. We're excited that you're here. We're, uh, we've got a new series coming down the pike here, and we're going to be in Ephesians for the next few months, the next few weeks, actually, uh, and it'll take about two months to go through this. Really, really excited. Ephesians is one of my absolute favorite books of Scripture, and I really, really dig Ephesians. There's a lot of meat. Um, Paul is speaking, just to give a little background before we dive in, Paul is speaking to the believers in Ephesus a church that he started, and uh, he's really trying to encourage them in a lot, a lot of different ways. Galatians was about the freedom in Christ and uh, that we have in Christ, and Ephesians talks about our identity in Christ, our identity in Christ. And over the next few weeks, my prayer is that you will see how you were created, why you were created, and what you were created for, and why we do what we do as believers. Uh, Ephesians is written, like I said, as Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus because he wants them to understand that, uh, that the grace that they have received is not from themselves, nor is anything that they have done or will do by their own uh, achievement. So we want you to understand this morning that today, hopefully, you will be encouraged as believers in Christ. If you're a Christian in this place, hopefully, you'll be encouraged. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you to take your note sheet out from underneath your chair. There's a pen and a note sheet. And over the next few minutes, uh, I just want, to, want you to write a few notes as we go along. You'll see them on the screen. And the reason we do that, it, the reason we do that in here and also in big church, and we try to do this for you guys is the retention rate of you uh, listening in on a talk. Your retention rate on listening in, even if you're at school, is, uh, is about 30% if you do not take notes. This is scientifically, you're, you're more likely to understand what the speaker or the teacher or the, uh, the, the, present, the person giving the presentation, the uh, orator, if you will, that person is saying if you take notes. So I want to invite you to take notes, whether they be on your phone or on the notes page. And the reason I say the notes page, because, uh, because you can, uh, it has the announcements on it, so you'll also have that. So a little bit about me. I absolutely love crowds. Some people, how many of you like to be in a crowd or it doesn't bother you to be in a crowd? Like it's like it's not a big deal. Some people are absolutely kind of fearful of being in a large crowd. I do not mind being in a large crowd. Uh, specifically, how many have any of y'all ever been to Sanford Stadium? Any of y'all ever been to Sanford Stadium the, the where the Georgia Bulldogs play? Hey man, go dogs. Now, here's the deal. 93,000 people enter that stadium on a Saturday at any given time. It's amazing. 93, when they pack that thing out, it's an amazing, amazing place. And I always thought for a while, that's a lot of people. But then I get to look in, and there's, there's a place called the Big House. Do you know who plays in the Big House? Michigan. Now, do you know how many people can fit in the Big House? Close. A little bit lower. Close. A little bit lower. Close. A little bit lower. A little bit higher. Very good. 107. Y'all give it up for Brendan. He nailed it. As Batman would say, first try. Now, uh, that's in Michigan. And now, and I'm thinking that's a lot of people. But then, how many of y'all, maybe there's some closet rednecks in here or closet race car fans. How many of y'all like NASCAR or Indy racing? Any of y'all? No, none of you. None of you are going to admit it. That's okay. Now, here's the deal. There's a place called the uh, Indy 500 in Indianapolis. Anybody at least ever heard of that? You've heard of the Indianapolis 500. Now, that place 
can seat 275,000 people. 275,000 people can then go around that track and watch these race cars, whether it be an Indy car or a NASCAR or whatever kind. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing place. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe you've heard of them, they broke the world record a couple of years back, 2014, for having the loudest crowd noise ever. Their crowd noise, they had their, everybody in their stadium were screaming so loud. It was for the longest time. They yelled at a decibel level of 142.2. Now, you're saying, I don't really know how loud that is. I didn't know how loud that was. I had to look it up. Your car, if you get in a car like a normal car, not a Prius because you can't hear those, but a normal car goes at 50 decibels. That's kind of the 50 decibels. Now, a lawnmower goes about 80 decibels. The old craftsman out in the yard, 80 decibels. A concert that is cranking. I mean, you're at the Bieber concert. You're at Coldplay. You're at whatever you're at. You're at, you know, you're at a, a, a T-Swizzle. You know, you're just rocking it out. That is going to be about 120 dB. That's about 120 decibels. Now, 140 decibels, and they got louder than this. Now, you got to understand, they got louder than this, what I'm about to say, is a jet plane taking off, like throttle down, going up in the air. If you've been to the airport, you know how loud that is. This is 140 dB, and this crowd got louder than that. They were hyped. They were hyped. Now, thinking about concerts anybody ever heard your mom and dad probably you don't maybe you rock out to a little rod stewart anybody rock out to a little rod stewart you got it on the itunes playlist don't lie spotify rod stewart willie's like me right here now it rod stewart played this concert in copacabana brazil right down below rio de janeiro now he played this concert copacabana had the largest crowd he's tied for the largest crowd attendance of any concert and i was thinking like taylor swift would have large you know crowds they she does and then i was thinking like backstreet boys probably back in their day probably had a large crowd and then i was thinking of these other bands that would have these large large crowds but nothing breaks nothing breaks the tie between Rod Stewart and another dude and i can't pronounce his name and he's from another country and they just showed up for this concert but they're tied 3.5 million people went to a concert. Rod Stewart. 3.5 million people. And the point is, when we get together and there's a single focus, we get hyped. Whether you're at a football game with your school, or you go to the Braves game, or you go to a NASCAR race, or whatever you go to, you get hyped because you have the same um, like-minded thought. When you're at a concert, you scream as loud as you can. You jump up and down. You record yourself because you're having a blast with people around you. And that happens at football games. That happens at uh, other sporting events concerts and it's all because we get pumped up because at that moment we are one we are one when we're at this concert we're at this this event now there's one place listen there's one place where we go there's one place where we go and we say we are like-minded and we say we're on the same track, and we're saying we have the, we have the same desires, and we have the same uh, ideas and the same mindset, but the response is a little different. The response is a little different. Does anybody know what that place is? 
church, church, Sophie, church. Now, you're right, church. Now, some of you were tracking with me about the crowd size and the noise and all that stuff. And, and you're thinking, man, I don't want to hear another talk on how to worship. And I don't want to hear another speaker's opinion on how to worship. Trust me, as a speaker, I don't ever want to tell you how to worship. I don't ever want to tell you how your posture and how your uh, motivation or where you should worship. No, no, no. Today, I want to talk about the why. I want to talk about why we worship. Because I think while, while Paul is telling us why we worship will give us a good idea of how we worship. Because, because if we know why we worship and why we praise God, why we praise, that will change things. And when we really know in our hearts why we praise, our hearts will change. And so we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if you have the Bible app, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to hang out here just for a few moments. And uh, we're going to look at the first few verses of what Paul is writing in his letter to the Ephesians. And he starts out, Ephesians chapter 1, hopefully you have your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. We could stop right there. We could talk about Paul for the rest of the day, but no. We're going to keep on rolling. Because Paul is the man when it comes to life change. He, he had a huge life change. Again, you know this. We talked about this a little bit in Galatians. He was blind, but now he can see. He was lost. He was murdering Christians, and he was putting them in jail. And now he ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, he is on fire for Jesus. He's trying to do whatever he can. He's starting churches. He's leading people to the Lord. He's going to jail, and when he's in jail, he's leading the uh, the uh, the jailers to the Lord. I mean, he's just doing some big, huge things. And so when he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, he's saying that you need to listen to what I say, because it's not by my might. It's not by my words. It is 100% God through me. He says to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So that tells us that he's writing to the believers. Grace and peace to you from our God from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts most of his letters out like that. So I want to set the scene of the intro before we dive in to the next few verses, 3 through 14. And we're going to break these down as we always do because I want you to understand there's some things that we read and we take captive so quickly, but we skip over some important parts. So I'm going to pray, then we're going to read, and then we're just going to keep on Keep it on. Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers. Illuminate your scripture to us this morning. These are familiar scriptures to a lot of us. God, I pray that this morning it will be different. God, for me this morning, you, you, I want you to show me something that I, even, I didn't even see while I was preparing for this message. For these listeners this morning, God, I pray that you would show us something we've never seen. Show us the why in praise. Why do we praise? Lord, it's found right here. And this should change everything about our hearts and our actions, God, just because of why. So, Lord, open up your, uh, your, your mouth. Open up our ears. God, let us receive what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now we're going to roll through 11 through 14. In him... We were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included with Christ when you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Almost done. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, there's a lot said right there. There's a lot going down. Paul said a ton. There is a ton of meat where we could take this and we could look at it in so many different directions. We could, we could tear this apart in so many different ways, and we could, we could talk about so many different things, and there's so many different theological truths in this scripture. But today, we are going to talk about why we praise God. And number one, the very first word, what is the very first word that Paul says in verse 3? The very first word that Paul says in verse 3, praise. The very first thing. So he's talking this whole section, this whole section, contrary to popular belief, this whole section of Ephesians chapter 1 is about praise. He sets it up that he says, everything I'm about to say, you should praise God for. And then he rolls on. Verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his, or with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loved. Now, we can talk about this and we can roll on with this and we can really dive into this, but the point is that God chose us. And he's talking to the believers. He's talking to the Jew and the Gentile. We'll see that here in a little bit. But he says, he chose us. Why do we praise? Why do you praise Ephesians? Because you need to understand that he chose you. It was not by anything that you do. And he goes on to talk about in chapter 2. We'll get there next week. But he says, it's not by anything you have done. And he says, not only Ephesians, did he choose you, he chose you to be holy and blameless. We always stop and he says, oh, God chose me. The Ephesians says, yes, we know that God chose us. He called us out. He picked us out. He, he called us out at his time and his purpose. He's sovereign. Yes, we get that. But he called us to be holy and blameless. Too many people stop. And just a little interjection here. Too many people stop with the chosen part and say, well, God picked me. He chose me. I'm all in. But here's the deal. What did he call you and pick you to be? He called you and pick you to be holy and blameless. So let's roll on. Roll on. 7 through 10. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So Paul mentions redemption here. This is a big key word in this little midsection here in verse 7. He mentions redemption. And there had to be a price that was paid. There had to be a price that was paid for salvation. And obviously it was done through Christ. And so Paul reminds the church of Ephesus that this is not something that you did. Christ redeemed you. We talked about freedom last, in the last series. That was the, the whole name of it, freedom. We talked about the freedom series. And we talked about how God offered us freedom through Christ. It's not, it's not something plus Christ because something plus Christ equals legalism, but it's nothing plus Christ equals freedom. And so that's what Paul is trying to remind the Ephesians here. He says, there's no maybe about it. And that's what I love. He's very a matter of fact. He's very matter of fact. He says, there's not a maybe. You might be redeemed. No, no, no. He says, you have redemption. You have redemption through his blood. And he talks about the mystery of his will. And that's God's eternal plan to bring everything under the unity of Christ and it supersedes time and it supersedes space it's bigger than we can understand that's why it's the mystery and I love it Paul really dives deep again we could talk about so much stuff but we got to roll on verse 11 he says in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of of his will. You need to understand that chosen. Remember when we talked about in Galatians chapter 2, the inheritance, the, the, the heir of God? You remember that? That's what he's speaking of here. He's saying that, that uh, guys and gals that have Christ, we're, we receive the inheritance. We have a heritage. Those people, Ephesians, look, you have the inheritance of God. You are chosen to receive that inheritance. And first he talks about the Jews. Look in verse 12. Too many times we say, we just throw ourselves in here. No, for us, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, too many of us say, well, that's us, we're the first to hope. No, that's the Jews. And then he goes on to say, you also, and that's where we are. We are, uh, we are in this verse 13, and you also, that's us. We're included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. And so he's talking to the Gentiles and Jews here. I'm saying all this so that when we get to the points that you'll totally understand what Paul is trying to say to the church of Ephesus. And then he says these amazing words in verse 13. It's like the second half of it. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He talks, he talks like 
He's given these, these metaphors as a king would seal an envelope, as a king would put his stamp on an envelope. You are sealed with the Holy, Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. At the moment that you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in. It's not another moment. It's not another time. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit enters you. The counselor enters you. The guide enters you, and he guides you. Your conscience is no more. It's the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, you wouldn't say, let your conscience be your guide. No, you would say, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Because that's his role. He's in to make us more like Christ. And if we were really rewind and go back to verse 4, his role is to help us to be holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. So, with all that said, with all these things that Paul has to say, why in the world should you praise God louder and more often than any event or concert. Why should we praise God louder and more often than any event or any concert we go to? Well, Paul shows us the Trinity here, and he walks these things out for us. We should praise God. You should praise God because you were, number one, chosen by God. If you're taking notes, number one, you were chosen by God. God. Think about this. Paul shows us and tells us that we were chosen in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. When God called you, if you say you're a believer in Christ, God called you. And listen, you don't live life without a purpose now. You have a purpose and you have a direction. You have a purpose. It's not like we're just wandering aimlessly. You're not just wandering aimlessly through your school or through your job or on your fields. Here's the deal. God has given you a purpose in every moment and every point of every day. Before it was living for self, before you were living for your own selfish desires, your own needs, your own, your own will. But when God saved you, he's given you a new purpose. And he's given you a purpose because he wants you to be holy and blameless in his sight. We praise him because of his glorious grace. He poured out on us in verse 6. Glorious grace. And we've sang about that this morning. And too many people... I'm fearful that too many people say that I can only praise God in this setting or that setting. I can only praise God when there are lights and guitars and, and awesome singers. Or I can only praise God when there's a choir. Or I can only praise God when there's just an acoustic guitar and everything's toned down. I can only praise God. But here's the deal. That is false. I can only praise God at retreats, and I can only praise God at, when I go to passion conferences, and, and I go to strength to stand, and, and I go to all these things. When I, when I go to retreats, as we did, we went down to the beach, and I can only praise God when we're away from this place, or I can only praise God when I'm in this place. You see, here's the deal. It's not about the, the posture, and it's not about the location of our praise. It's our praise is defined by the status of our hearts. Our, our, our praise is defined by the status of our hearts. It's not about location. Listen, guys. It's not about location. And it's not about the posture. 
whether you have your hands lifted or your hands down, you have your eyes closed or you're on your face, whatever. It's not about the, the, of, uh, the place or the posture. It's about the status of your heart. And that's what Paul is saying. Listen, if there's anybody who loves to praise God, it's me. I love praising God, but I don't want to get stuck in a rut. And I can, man. I can get stuck in a rut. Like if I go to a, to a, a, a Bible study and there's just one person playing a guitar, man, so many times I can be like, oh, that's cute. I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to stand out. But man, I, Paul, Paul tells me that I've been chosen by God. I've been chosen by God. I should praise. Whether I'm at a conference, man, one of, the, one of the most amazing things I've ever been to was Passion Conference a couple of years ago. It was in the dome. It was packed out. I mean, it was the biggest conference. We packed that place out with college students. It was amazing. And all these voices were praising God. Chris Tomlin was on the stage, and he had the little trumpeter. If you saw it, you know, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was unreal. It was amazing. But I don't want to get stuck in a rut where that's the only place I praise God. I want to praise God while I'm walking down the street. I want, to go, I want to praise God while I'm riding in my car. I want to praise God while I'm in my schools. I want to praise God while I'm on my fields. I want, I want, to, I want to praise God when I, every moment of every day because I've been chosen by God, but not, it doesn't stop there. Number two, why do we praise God? Why do you praise God? Because you're redeemed by Christ. You're redeemed by Christ, number two. Remember, it's not a hope to get one day. It's not like, man, I hope I get redemption if I'm a believer. I hope that I, I do all this stuff to make things right and I can get to Christ. No, no, no. It has been done. We praise because we have been redeemed by Christ. Redemption, forgiveness, through grace, He lavished on us. Do you not understand what lavish means? That means to pour and just to keep going. It's like going to a restaurant and the waiters and waitresses just keep bringing you food. It's like, man, I love to eat. I've been to this place. Anybody ever been to this place called Fogo de Chao? Man, it's an amazing, amazing. Elijah's like, amen, you know, glory to God. This place is an amazing place. They have this card that you flip over this green on one side and red on the other. And as long as that side is on the green side, they keep bringing you food. Not just do they keep bringing you food, they keep bringing you meat. And the cool thing about that is my food has got to have a parent and a face. You know what I'm saying? Meat. I mean, steak, chicken, that kind of thing. Pork, amen. Bacon, amen. Those, those things. And they, they had bacon-wrapped, listen, bacon-wrapped chicken. I know, amen. It was amazing. And it was, whoo, man. And here's the deal. As long as that card is still on the green, they keep giving it to you. And they don't stop. They don't stop. The next guy's coming with a sword, and he's like, would you like some, sir? And you get some off. And he comes with another sword. Another guy comes with it like filet mignon. It's so good. And so they, like, they just keep giving it to you. It la- it's just keeps coming and keeps coming. And here's the deal. That grace, that mercy, that faith that God gives us, man, it just keeps coming. He's re- he lavishes us on redemption. And he reminds us that we praise him because we've been redeemed by Christ. There's nothing we could do. He gives us the honor and the glory. We get to praise God. Do you understand? We get to. And it doesn't stop there. 
Listen, we're chosen by God, number one. Number two, we're redeemed by Christ. And number three, this is going to be a weird one, but I needed a word that started with C, so this was the only one that I could really come up with. Clenched by the Spirit. Clenched by the Spirit. Now, let me explain what it means that you are clenched by the Spirit in Him. It's like this. Put your fist like this and squeeze it tight. Like that's, that's, You're clenched in. And so if you had something in your hand, you're clenched by the Spirit. There's nothing. I mean, as tight as you can grip, the Holy Spirit's grip is so tighter. There's, there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say. There's no praise. That, no, no, it, it's not jumping up and down or falling on our face. It's not standing there in reverence. It's, it's, it's nothing that we can do that would make us get out of His hand or make Him love us anymore make them love us any less now here's the deal simple illustration when we receive the Holy Spirit he talks about how we are sealed in him it would be like it would be like a king writes an important creed and in this case it would be your life And it goes in an envelope and he takes the wax and he puts it on that envelope. And the reason they did this and the reason Paul uses this illustration is because anybody who saw the king's insignia Anybody who saw the wax on the envelope knew that it was from the king. And how did they know that it was from the king? Because it had the king's seal. It had the king's stamp. And, and they knew that when the, the messenger would deliver this, if that seal was broken, it had been tampered with. here's the deal God has put his seal on us he has put his stamp on us through the Holy Spirit and our lives are locked in with him with his seal showing that there's nothing that we can do to get out we are locked in with him forever there's nothing we can do. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Why do we praise? Wednesday night, we're going to have a night of worship, and we want you to be here. Our students do a phenomenal job week in and week out leading us in worship. We want you to be here. Why? Because we want you to understand that you are chosen by God, that you are redeemed by Christ, and you are clenched by the Spirit. And in that, we should praise God. We should praise God. Tomorrow, when you're at school, we want you to praise God. Or you're at home, we want you to praise God. Or you're in your car, we want you to praise God. Don't waste the moments that God has given you. Because we've been redeemed, we've been chosen, and we're sealed by the Spirit. Let's pray.
God, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers, God. I thank you for your word. It's so amazing and it's so true. God, let us not miss what you have for us today. It's not about the place and it's not about the posture of our praise. It's the status of our hearts. And so, God, I pray that we understand why we praise and why we do what we do. Father, I, I just ask that this morning that as we go from here and we go into our next time to praise, this next moment, that we won't miss it. God, you've given us this moment as we lift up your name on high. And not just through song, God, reading of your word, we worship you. So, Father, speak to us today. I thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.